0: Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 79, recorded live on Monday, October 20th, 2008. And here are your hosts, the man who still hasn't seen the Big Bang Theory, Dave Pillay.
1: That would be me, hello.
0: And the man who's got Sheldon, uh, The oh that's my TiVo's nickname, uh, set up to record it tonight, Andy Lowe. Hi. I did a Big Bang reference in the yeah, intro. I, yeah. yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm good. Sheldon go. is from the, the show? Yeah. I see. Is that why you named your TiVo Sheldon? Um, well, yeah, because it's all-knowing, but sometimes
0: very awkward. Ah. I do intend to
1: see this. Okay.
0: It's on tonight at 8.
1: Well, perhaps.
0: I was going to say you should have seen last night's or last week's episode, but it really wasn't that funny compared to some of the other ones. But you can't win everything.
1: No, you cannot. Uh, so, how was your experiment, Andy? My experiment? You experimented with last week's podcast.
0: Um, well, nobody's gotten back to me, so I have no idea.
1: Would you like to detail your experiment for those who don't read the website?
0: Okay, for those who don't read the website, shame on you, first off. Well, not really, because if you have iTunes or any other RSS feeder, hey, no prob. Well, iTunes, well, some RSS feeders, would, but anyway. um. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. Go, go on. I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> I normally do a lot of stuff that I would do if I was doing editing a radio broadcast sort of thing. Doing something that I wanted to put over the air. I would edit it down, make sure it's all nice and crisp and clean, make sure all the levels are nice, cut out any uh, microphone rumble, any subharmonics we've got going on, try and cut down on our plosives and our S's and a whole bunch of stuff that I would do. And then I would put it up online. That would be a majority of the... Uh, post-production stuff that I'd be doing. But after thinking about it, I'm like, I'm doing all this and I'm editing it down to a, what, 64 kilobit per second MP3 file. So I was just kind of like, I wonder how much of this actually carries over what I'm doing actually matters to the final product. And so I literally took our recording of our podcast. One, I literally just cut it down for time and ran it through some of the automated stuff that I can just go and throw it in there and walk away, have dinner, come back and it'd be done rather than sit there and play with all the dials and stuff. And the other one, I went by hand and did the whole nine yards of what I normally do. And then I spliced the two of them together randomly during the podcast. And so I was just wondering if anybody who was listening to the podcast would be able to notice the changes in the audio. And if they are, I don't know, it's going to have some contest prize, something, I don't know. But so far, nobody's gotten back to me. I tried listening to them, and I could tell where they are, but granted... You knew where they are. Yeah. So, and I made sure to actually write down exactly at what times they changed at, and also what was the last thing
1: somebody said before it changed. So so I, I think to to do this... If you guys listen to episode 78, and if you've already listened to it, then listen to it again. Listen to 78. And
0: see if you can keep, spot the changes. Keep a
1: notepad and a pencil handy. When you hear a change, just mark down the time or mark down what's being said. Send that off either on the forums or through an email to Andy or myself. Just get and in
0: contact with me. And if you, Our contact whoever, stuff is still on the page, right? Yeah. All right. There's a,
1: a contact us button that basically just gives our emails.
0: Okay, well, that works. But also, if you could tell me if it sounds better or worse with the change, because I switched back and forth between the two of them multiple times during the episode. So it might be it would switch from no editing to all the editing or all the editing back to no editing over and over again.
1: Right, and it starts with all the editing, right? Uh,
0: No, it actually starts with the raw file, and it ends with the raw file.
1: Okay, so the first switch, it theoretically should improve in quality. Yes, Okay, so if whoever whoever marks down all the changes, we've got something. We don't know what, no. but we, we can find something. Yes. Maybe I'll send off one of these 2GB microSD cards I have laying around.
0: You have 2GB microSD cards? Yeah. Damn it, I've only got a one.
1: Woot.com. During the last Woot off, I bought three. Oh, I only have one, and it's a gig.
0: Granted, it was more than plenty compared to the 256 currently in my phone. Yeah. Speaking of which, vibrate. Ooh, hello.
1: (laughs) Did you forget two also? Nope, mine's on vibrate. All right. All right. So we have a special episode today.
0: Yeah, what? Where did this idea come from?
1: Well... It it came from... Well, first off, this is my special episode. This is not one of our like giant conference calls or things like that. This is still just Andy and me. But the idea for this episode came to me at the end of recording last week's episode. All right. When Andy was lamenting about the trouble he was going through after reformatting his hard drive and how I had to send my computer back in, which I don't have it right now. My laptop is gone. <laughs> Mine's sitting over there not doing anything. Can I borrow your laptop now? Um actually basically it's a Civ four machine right now. Nice. Have you played uh colonization yet? Nope. Okay. Remember the whole not yeah, yeah, not buying Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't really played anything either. I wanted
0: to play um rock band and guitar hero, but alas <laughs> I am separated from your... my guitar. Not till your next trip out to Ann Arbor. I could send Kate after you. Because she's going to be when, going there
1: before I am. Well, then, yes, you could send Kate after me. That'd be interesting. So, anyways, this episode is Andy and I going over uh, some some tips and programs and maybe some, some tricks for computer maintenance and restoration and just kind of good programs that it, it's a pretty good idea to have them.
0: Basically, since I had reformatted my desktop... Basically, I'm just going down my list of installed programs at the moment. Some of them are you're not going to need, like Audacity and um, GIMP, but <laughs> other
1: ones you might want to look at. They're they're you can live without them, but they're good ideas to have. Yeah, and most of the programs we recommend are low impact, or keep other programs from being high impact. And they're also most of them are free. Because Most of them are free. Still in that
0: college boy mentality.
1: Yeah, the non-free ones are actually ones that I've bought. Really? I I personally felt that they were, and this is me, I mean, come on, yeah. that I felt these programs were good enough and did the job that they needed to do well enough and that it was such an important job that I actually paid the money for them. Well, that's good to hear. So, shall we just start at the top? Um, Sure.
0: What's on the first one? Oh, we've got Belarc and SIW. Ooh. Yes.
1: So when you're troubleshooting a computer. It's a good idea to know what you're working with. <laughs> right. So there are two programs that their their entire purpose is to scan the computer and pull up a report of all the hardware and software on the computer. It's basically like the inventory list of
0: Everything.
1: Yeah. Uh, they both have advantages. SIW is great for a lot of the extra little tools. SIW stands for System Information for Windows. We probably should mention, I think every piece of software on this list is PC. Yeah, because neither
0: one of us have a
1: Mac at the moment. If you have a Mac and you have problems like this, you have problems where you would require these programs... You're pretty much screwed.
0: And if you're on Linux,
1: then you better already know what you're doing anyways.
0: (laughs) If you're on Linux and you're having problems, why are you on Linux?
1: (laughs) If you're on a Mac and you have these problems, then, well, there's really no software for you, because Macs aren't quote-unquote supposed to have these problems.
0: Yeah. There are some pretty decent Mac software out there, but... Since I don't need to find it, I haven't gone looking for it. But for right. people, I have heard that there is stuff out there for
1: things. So these are all PC pieces of software. Yeah. So SIW and BellArc both uh, they both scan your machine. They both, um, SIW doesn't really generate a report, whereas BellArc takes all the information it compiles and puts it on a single web page. Yeah, this SIW's just basically got a list
0: on the side. You can click on each component to get the more detailed list.
1: Right. SIW can do a couple things Bellark can't, like go through your passwords. <laughs> Be very careful with SIW. Yeah, you can find out a lot of things with it. The things you're like, there, why, why do Yeah, there's a whole section. There's a whole section titled "Secrets." Yeah. Which goes through and finds any passwords it can and tells you what they are. Is, I, uh, what I would use SIW
0: and Bellarc for, basically, I used them first because of uh, upgrading the memory on my computers, because I don't have, normally they have like the memory advisors and tell you, like, oh, if you have this computer from this company, use this memory, and it's just like, I, mm-hmm. I built my computer, I need to know what memory's in there, and so it'll tell me, oh, you have this much memory at this slot, this slot is open, this slot is also yep.
1: open. Of course, you could just open your computer and look.
0: Yes, but my monitor is on top of the computer, and especially since I had that big, huge, honking CRT, what, the 24-inch CRT monitor mm-hmm. that I had with the British connectors, that was literally almost a hernia-inducing event. I see. It broke tables and such.
1: Ouch. Yeah. The other really nice thing about Bellarc, and I don't know if SIW does this, is it also gets all the software keys...
0: Oh, uh, yeah, uh, SIW does that as well, because I just grabbed my uh, Microsoft Office keys off of here before the restart, so I...
1: Yeah, so that really helps on reinstallation.
0: Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to need this key, I'm going to need this key. This key would also mm-hmm. be good to have. And well, Again, Bellart does it here. in a
1: way that's... it's nice, it's easy to print. SIW is a little easier to get to.
0: Yeah, it's, it's more... it's got a more detailed final list but you're going to have to delve into it in order to right. find all the little bits and pieces and stuff. But it is it is very very nice.
1: I enjoy it. <laughs> so now that we we have the the programs you want to run basically before restoring your computer cuz that's pretty much it. Once you've got Bellarc or SIW, you and get your list, you get all the information you need, then you can go and restore it. Yeah. So what do you how do you format your drives, Andy? Let's run this through a hypothetical situation.
0: All right. So I've got all the stuff I know I want to save. I've got all the license keys and stuff down. Um, normally, I would just burn my documents folder. Like, any, anything I want to keep, I would throw it into my documents. Mm-hmm. And then I would either throw it onto a flash drive or burn it onto a CD or a DVD. Depends on what I have. Normally, it'll just be a DVD because that way something goes wrong with the flash drive. I still have the DVD of
1: all the stuff. Right. And it might be wise to do it. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're really trying to be careful and take precautions, you could do it on both.
0: Yeah, but normally I would just ba- I'd basically keep everything that I want to keep, throw it into my documents. That way, when I'm when the new computer is set up, I can just take my documents folder, throw it over the other my documents folder, and everything will basically be where it used to be. Right. Which it means in my documents, um, iTunes also has a pretty decent backup. For their stuff. They even tell you on their website how you can use your iPod in order to store all your iPod music for cool. uh, backup. Or you can burn it to CDs and DVDs. Yeah. Either or. Like, I just did all my iPod music since it was um about 40 gigabytes. I just burned a whole bunch of DVD-Rs since they're cheaper than dirt right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and did that. Um, So then I would use, actually... Normally if you just put in the Windows CD you can just I just have it do an uh NT uh what NTFS
1: Yeah. You know, NT you just, file yeah, system.
0: I just tell it to delete the previous partition, reformat it, reformat it slow.
1: All right, so you use the Windows built-in stuff. Yeah. Okay. because well, there is one to... um well, I don't use anything cuz I haven't really done this lately. Oh. Uh there is one Oh, what was it called? Derek's boot and nuke. Derek's boot and nuke. Yep. Derek's boot and nuke. This is a very dangerous program.
0: <laughs> Danger.
1: You do not want to just have this program on some CD that's not labeled, because you could accidentally put the CD in before you turn the computer on. Uh, it's it's a boot program. That goes. It's actually uh, one of the things. Some friends of mine who engage in uh, activities that are not socially proper, uh, they they use the software. They have it on hand just in case, because it goes in and it just clears everything.
0: So basically, if I had the f b i pounding down my door i'd shut off my com- I'd open up my d v d drive, shut off my computer, throw this disk in there, close it, turn it on, turn it well, on, not necessarily in that order, but yes well, turn it on, close it, boot from that disk, and then just let them carry me away as my computer basically
1: self destructs yeah, well, it wouldn't self destruct but it would it would clear everything out
0: yeah it would self destruct as close as self destructing would actually do
1: yeah, all right. So it's it's a really powerful little uh, destructive program, <laughs> and of course it can be used for slightly more nefarious uh, mean not means nefarious plots. If you you know put it on a USB stick and take it into say a library or something. Well, that's just mean. Yeah, don't do that.
0: Libraries are nice places. Don't don't mess with the librarians. Are all about the freedom of the internet. The you, librarians are nice people. I haven't met a librarian that I've hated yet. Really? Yeah. Why, have you? Not in a while, no. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, this would also be good, basically, if um, I'm selling my computer or something. I would just probably use this Yeah. just
1: to clean out everything. Or if if you're selling your hard drive or something. Yeah.
0: All right. So we would wipe it down. Windows would do its install with a couple of reboots and updates, and then another couple of reboots and some more updates. Well, no, no, no. We'd have Service Pack 3 now.
1: Mm-hmm. So basically be like... So if, that's if you're installing XP. Yeah. If you're installing Vista, then you need to get SP1. Can you, There are no uh, Vista disks out there with SP1? I'm sure there are.
0: Because I thought um, Vista put all the SKUs on their install disks, so you don't have to worry about having the right install disk. Yeah. To match your product code.
1: Yes, but you still need to to make sure you have an updated disk that has SP1. Yeah, that is true. Or you need to install the older version and then go download SP1.
0: Either one could probably work. Right. All right. So uh, Windows has installed, and like most of the time, my sound card, my video card, my wireless card are not going to be working. That, mm-hmm. that normally is basically the three things that I know are not going to be working as soon as I boot up. So the next step... Drivers! Yay! Now, Windows is oh good with some of the drivers. Like, if you just do the Windows automatic updates, it will find some of the hardware stuff that you need to do. But mm-hmm. sometimes it won't. Like, it uh, did the automatic update, and it found my video card driver and my wireless card driver, but it didn't have my uh, Sound Blaster driver. So that one I had to actually go download
1: on my own. Right. But it's- which, brings, which brings us to the, the next program, it's the first one that's not free. No. But it is so – if you ever have to, to install new hardware or reboot your system like this, it's worth the money just for the time you save in hunting down all this stuff. And it's called Driver Detective.
0: You see, now Dave uses Driver Detective. I use another one called um, Driver Genius, Which, basically, they're the same exact thing. They'll scan your computer, tell you, oh, you're missing these drivers, and you just basically click download, and it will download the drivers.
1: Is driver genius-free? No. Okay.
0: But I just basically... I I forgot what it is. I just use it basically to have it scan my computer, and it'll tell me, oh, you're missing these things, and then I'll just go hunt them down on my own. Ah. Instead of having it download them for me, but...
1: I prefer just to let it download them. Okay. But then you'd have to pay for that, <laughs> yeah, well, I did pay for it. How much is a uh, driver uh I'm looking I'm on their page i'm I'm trying to find the price. I think it was like thirty bucks Now
0: is this a like a one year thing or is this nope, nope, this was I paid once. Oh nice. Um, does it handle uh, BIOS
1: as well or no uh that I don't know when you own it, you should know these things? Yeah, well, I haven't seen anything for BIOS. Oh. So I assume it doesn't. Well, okay then. But I don't know. <laughs> I could load it up right now. Well, yeah, but that would just t- eat up your CPU. Right. So you get your drivers installed. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, generally, I actually do something before I install my drivers. Oh, uh, what? Create a system restore point. Well, that happens automatically when you install Windows. All right. At least when you install Vista. Uh, I set up security.
0: All right. What Now, how much security do you actually have
1: on your computer? I have besides the Windows default stuff? Yeah. I have AVG. All right. I have Spybot. All right. And that's actually it. You see, I I have I, I have one other that uh performs very similar tasks to Spybot that does some other stuff like task management, but as far as pure security, AVG and Spybot.
0: Now, you see I I don't have any antivirus on my computer right now. Really? Yeah.
1: Why is that, Andy? Um, Are you just that confident that you're not going to get a virus?
0: I'm smart
1: about you're my smart. downloads. Yeah.
0: I'm behind a I firewall. See. I've got Windows Firewall going. I double-check that list every once in a while to make sure nothing mm. got accidentally just thrown onto the list. But I'm, pfft, I never really download attachments in emails unless I know specifically that they're supposed to be coming. Plus uh Gmail scans all the uh email attachments. Right. Uh, I don't go to nefarious web pages. You don't download games or anything. No. So I All right. I okay, for the average person I would say yes, you should have an antivirus. You should have a, What what exactly does Spybot do? Isn't it like malware or ad Spybot is is a lot of malware stuff. Okay. Stuff that will keep track of your
1: internet things and phone home. Yeah. It knocks out a lot of spyware. And in fact it'll if you're using a program like LimeWire, SpyBot actually kills that. Because LimeWire is loaded with spyware.
0: And I don't even understand who still uses LimeWire anymore. Uh a couple people. <sighs> Napster was good and then Napster got shot down and then a whole bunch of stuff showed up behind it and they were just not good. <laughs> That's just But okay, see so all right. Now I do have to say I did used to have AVG on my computer until this new update that they just did. Yeah,
1: um, I'm not too happy with it.
0: Whatever. It's like AVG what 8 or something like that? Yep. Yeah, 8. I I loved 7. I just loved the old AVG. But now with 8, it's it's just uh I don't know what it is, but it's just uh
1: it's been having trouble automatically updating, actually.
0: Yeah, it's been having trouble with automatically updating. It started, um, I went on to Google search, and I kept on like, it would take a while when I clicked the link for it to actually like load, and I'm like, "What? what's going on with Google? Why is it telling me these links are safe? And I thought, Google's doing something crazy right now, and I hate it. Turns out AVG, yeah, that's AVG. Yeah, AVG was basically hijacking it and going, oh, hold on, let me check these links and make sure they're safe. Well, you can disable that. I know, and I did, but it was it was annoying me too much right out of the gate. That's why I actually went from uh McAfee to uh AVG, because I get McAfee through the school. Well, I did get it through the school yep. for free as an enterprise license, so I got the whole McAfee suite for free, but um turns out McAfee blocked my IRC ports, mm. which I didn't know, which is why I'm like, how come I can't connect to IRC, firewalls open, whole nine yards... Turns out McAfee right. was blocking my IRC points. The antivirus...
1: Was blocking IRC.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: it's because McAfee isn't just antivirus. It's a, it's a whole security suite.
0: I know, and but that was... Oh, that just rubbed me the wrong way. It's just like, wh- wait, why? No, you're supposed to be hunting down viruses. You're not supposed to tell me... Oh, I'm sorry, you can't do this. Proactive. <laughs> Well, for the average but, consumer, I could see that because I know of some bots that actually use IRC as their way right. to phone home. So I could see for the average person. But mm.
1: so the, there are alternatives to AVG. Andy has said McAfee, which is a, a commercial software. Norton's got their There's b- also stuff. There's yep. There's Norton, and both of those are generally very expensive unless you get some sort of student discount. Uh, there is a vast antivirus.
0: That's what I'm leaning towards right now, for the time
1: being. I tried it and didn't really like it, but I didn't try it very long. One thing that you really do need to know, don't have two antivirus softwares. No. They do not play nice together.
0: No, I still remember when, uh, was it Norton and Spybot that were having conflicting arguments? Where Norton literally told you, hey, you should uninstall Spybot before you install Norton. And it would actually, like, before Norton installed, it would run this check and be like, hey, you've got Spybot going on. You should uninstall that. <laughs> and it's like, wait, why? And they never gave any reason. They're just like, you should, un- you should uninstall it.
1: Yeah. They, they don't play nice. Uh oh, It's kind of ridiculous. So, pick one and stick with it. <laughs> yeah. Or now, pick Spybot one, uninstall it, and,
0: and then pick another, and then install it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Spybot and some of the antivirus softwares work nice together. Where they don't conflict, okay, but evidently it doesn't do that with Norton all right, so I yeah, I generally get an antivirus and spy bot up all right that would make sense because i'm I'm a little more paranoid than Andy is
0: and then um well once you got what security up, you got a blank hard drive, that's when you start installing your programs right now, I know we don't really have many programs on the list
1: uh we do have at least one which. Well, I'm just saying... 7-zip.
0: Yeah. But um, what what programs do we currently have on our computer? What am I currently running? Let me see.
1: I... Well, okay. I try and get some sort of text editor that is smaller than a word processor. Like So WordPad? something like Edit Plus, uh, Notepad Plus Plus.
0: What, what about WordPad?
1: WordPad works. It but I like... Because I do... I do coding. Yeah, notepad with coding would be actually nice. Right, so I, I like things that have uh, syntactical recognition, and uh, it colorizes it properly. Yeah, but that's for
0: you and coding. I go yeah. and download Audacity right off the bat, because that's me and audio editing. Right. So And, well, also GIMP, too. Just start Gimp. writing these down so I can put them
1: on the list. Yep, GIMP is... Uh, uh, photo editing, visual editing software. There,
0: uh, Yeah, if somebody, it's basically like the free version of Photoshop, and somebody actually came out with a version for those who are used to Photoshop, like myself, because that's what we were using in class, where it takes Ooh. all the uh, GIMP menus and basically tries to mimic Photoshop as much as possible. Nice. So instead of having multiple windows out there, we'll just put it all in one window, and we'll try and keep all the menus to look the same and sound the same as Photoshop.
1: Yep. So that's... We uh, I don't know if we mentioned this, uh, CS4 has shipped. Oh, it's
0: already out? Sweet. Yep. Now, if I only had a grand sitting around. Yeah.
1: Has shipped or is shipping, one or the other.
0: Either way, I don't have a grand sitting around, so it's just a yep. hypothetical. Oh, oh it's...
1: and also, Andy. Yeah. Uh, people have been getting the G1. Already? Is it already? It's not... Yep, some, some people who pre-ordered it are getting it in the mail. Oh. You owe me lunch. I know or dinner. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So, some sort of text editor, uh, GIMP, Audacity. Um, open- if you're not splurging or if you aren't getting the the steal this software deal from Microsoft yeah. for Microsoft Office for 60 bucks, which you're kind of crazy if you don't, you can get Open Office. They just released Open Office 3. It's a, it's a pretty decent
0: Suite on there. They've got lots of stuff, including like math function editors. I was actually using that for my uh, physics class. Yep. Because it was a whole lot easier than trying to do Microsoft.
1: Well, the Office 2007 has an equation editor now. Yeah, but which works very nicely. Actually, there
0: were only a certain, basically, only the student union computer lab had Office 2007, and my laptop. Right. Everything else had Office 2003. Yep. So I had to learn how to do all this
1: stuff. So uh open office, uh some sort of BitTorrent download client. Uh I've always used UTorrent.
0: It's yep. basically the lightweight and if you ba- I think if you actually go to BitTorrent's like site, they'll tell you basically UTorrent is their one to use. Yeah, if, if you literally just like yeah. if I spell BitTorrent, right? Um, yeah, if you click Utorrent, it will tell you to... Oh, it looks like I haven't installed Flash yet.
1: <laughs> Flash is a good one to install. Well,
0: any web stuff. They're gonna, you're going to install your Flash. You're going to install yeah. your... Firefox. Firefox is also... Yeah, Firefox I use more than IE7. Granted, that was because I got into Firefox when IE6 was around, and most things right. were better than IE6. Um,
1: but IE7 is getting back there now. If you don't want Firefox, there are other options besides Internet Explorer. You have what? Opera. You have Opera, you have Chrome. Yeah, Google's not really promoting Chrome much anymore though. No. Well, it, it was it came out and it was this, "Ooh, look at what we can do," and then it just kind of faded away, yeah. but it's out there. Yeah. And there's Chromium, which is what Chrome is based off of.
0: Okay. I've never heard um, of Chromium. It, okay. Winamp. Okay. Now you say Winamp. I say iTunes. Well, you have an iPod. Yes. Winamp. I don't. Winamp also works with um, uh, iP- iPods as well. But I still tried using my iPod and Winamp, and I don't know what it is. I just never really liked Winamp's library function compared to what iTunes does. I don't use the library. I load everything into the playlist. Oh well. I don't. I I use iTunes with the smart playlist and it works brilliantly for what it is. Yep. I, I Winamp, sure, you have WinAmp. It kicks the llamas amp. What was it? Kicks the Llamas ass something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just it never was it, sure there are lots and lots of plugins for it, but I don't really use it that much. I just have it as basically a catalog for my store music library and it. Works great with the iPod. <laughs>
1: what? No. I heard a laugh. You you enjoy iTunes. I enjoy Winamp. All right. They both serve really the same purpose. Yeah. And they both do it in almost the same way.
0: Now, I do have to say, though, um, until Apple finally agrees to which they're probably not going to, if you're one of those um, hate MP3 stuff and want your... Um, Audio in like FLAC or APE. OOG. Well, OOG is basically a container. It's not an actual file format inside of it. Okay. So lots of things could be OOG. Um, I see. But if you wanted, like, any, if you're, if you're interested in holding onto your pristine stuff and you still don't want to store the raw WAV files on your computer because that will get quite large, um, iTunes has their proprietary format. So you're stuck with that? Like AAP or something? AAC.
1: AAC, yes. Apple Audio Codec?
0: Yes. So you can have your AAC, but beyond that, then you're stuck with iTunes, which I have no problem with at the moment. I've got all my stuff backed up on DVDs anyway, so if I want to change, it'll be an easy change for me. Right. What else do I have on here? So we've got. Got Firefox. We've got Open Java. Office. Java would be very good, especially for some of the online stuff. Mm-hmm. Just go to Java and download the uh, the most recent thing. Yeah.
1: Or if you're downloading uh, Open Office, it'll download Java as part of the install. Yeah. And
0: actually, for Java, if you download Java, it'll ask you, "Hey, do you want Open Office?" Mm-hmm. And you click sure, and it'll just inst- it'll put the uh, Open Office installer on your desktop. So. Uh, some sort of chat client. Now, I use um, Trillion. I don't know why, but I use Trillion. Mm-hmm. I wanted to switch back to AOL, but then it started opening up Windows and wanting plugins and stuff. Yeah, AOL is
1: bloated. It used to be... AOL Instant Messenger. It used to be just simple.
0: But now mm-hmm. they're AOL Instant Messengers are like, oh, wait a second, the only thing people are using with us anymore since most people aren't doing dial-up anymore, and AOL took down their walled garden, they're like, well, we need to do something with AIM, and they're trying to throw AIM back into the walled garden. And
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, however, there are many online alternatives to even downloading a chat client. Yeah.
0: There,
1: Aime Express, is Aime Aime Express. is... There's AIM Express Is Pigeon online, or is that a download? No, Pigeon is a client. All right. There's GAIM as a client. Uh but Meebo.com, gmail has lets you log into an aim account really yeah i was actually talking to you on that the other day oh i was on gmail huh um
0: well not everybody uses aim though like in uh right in europe if supposedly you use msn yahoo is Messenger. yeah yahoo msn yep.
1: and again mebo actually does all of them mebo is kind of like an online trillion okay uh pigeon also lets you do More than just AIM. There's a newer one called Digsby, which not only does AIM, MSN, and Yahoo, but it does uh, uh, like Facebook and MySpace chat. MySpace chat? God,
0: I've been away too long. (sighs) Sorry. Just MySpace makes me cringe. (sighs) All right, so we've got all these programs
1: now on our computer.
0: That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. It gets to become a lot of stuff at some point.
1: Yeah, which is, of course, when you have to go back and clear it out and start again.
0: Yes, um, and things that we can easily do this. Dave brought up defragmentation. Dave's got his ultimate defrag.
1: What what's Ultimate defrag is, there are two versions. There's the free version, and there's the pay-for version. Okay. Uh, and it's the only defrag that I know of that defrags your computer in, in a very particular way and that is it opt- it uses the physical layout of a hard drive to actually optimize where the files are okay so a defragger in general takes files that are stored in different different parts of the file are stored on different parts of the drive and a defragger tries to make sure that each file is is self-contained its the entire file is in a row what ultimate defrag does is ultimate or ultra ultimate ultimate defrag. what ultimate defrag does is it places them on the hard drive where it places the most accessed files out towards the edge, which is the fastest part of the drive
0: and it takes all the slow files, big files puts them in the center I'm guessing
1: well closer to the center yeah it only puts things in the center when your drive is full yeah okay that so it's sense. it's the only defragger I know that does that
0: um, Dave, you are incorrect.
1: Because okay, well, no, I said it's the only one I know well, okay, you, you sure, um, Dave, let me tell you about j k just kidding defrag
0: uh, well, I, I don't know why it's called j k defrag. Um, this was originally there's multiple versions of it out there. basically, there's the command line version, which is its basic version, and other people have done uh, different basically like builds of it because this is this was runs at the heart of the system. Um, I okay. use the j k GUI which mm-hmm. gives you some wonderful nice options um if you basically search JKDefrag, jkdefrag um the the top ones will be their basic command line stuff they also even have a screensaver mode so um it will defrag your hard drive as a screensaver mm. so if your computer's not using being used it will just defrag it um the exe file if you just want that it's basically runs as is automatically like it's just an exe file you start it up and it starts to defrag Um, Mm -hmm. the GUI version has got some what I have has some more bells and whistles I'm trying to find where on the page it explains a lot of stuff on the page
1: yeah, I'm seeing that now.
0: All right, it's If you see it, most of the way down the list is JK, defrag, GUI. It will do things. other things in there where you can set up a scheduler for your defrag. You can tell it to defrag on startup, on exit, that sort of thing. Um, you can set up a scheduler. It's also got two things on there which are really neat. It's got the basic um, – it cleans out all your temp files. It cleans up your registry, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm starting it up right now so I can get all the stuff on there. Um but like yours it can actually it analyzes the drive and can you can sort things by name by file size by last access by last last change by creation time so depending on what you need to do like if i'm just creating a bunch of files and i don't need the ones that i created a long time ago it will put those in the center and it'll put the newest files out on the outside edge so hmm. you can you can defrag it basically in different ways. I just do the analyze, defragment, and fast os- optimization because I'm not doing anything special with my hard drive. I'm just doing normal. Um, it also has got this thing called uh, wash, which it took me a little while to figure out exactly what it does. But um, what it does is it takes all the free space on your hard drive mm-hmm. and throws it in to one giant file. Hmm. So it takes all it takes it just starts out your drive is X percentage empty it will just start building a file that will take every single free space on your hard drive which is okay. this is what confused me because it said like your hard drive is getting low and I'm like I don't know what's going on but then I read about it um and once that file has reached its full size JK will delete it so it's basically washing your free space trying to make sure that everything is still good because it, it expands to the area and then just takes the entire thing and throws it out the window.
1: What is the advantage to that?
0: Well, to make sure that your hard drive is still working, make sure that your ones and zeros... Okay, so it's it's
1: checking the empty space. Yeah.
0: It fills up the empty space, which is how it checks it, and then once it's completely full, it will just throw it out. And then you can okay. you can have it do it a couple of times in a row. It, will, it supposedly has more of an effect the more times you do it in a row, but... I haven't really sat down and tried some of the higher values.
1: Interesting.
0: So, yeah, it's, it's the, the JKD frag is got a lot of your stuff there. This one is definitely free, though.
1: Okay. So I may
0: have to switch to JKD frag. <laughs> which, hold on, let me put that, write that down on my list. I'm building a list. Oh, damn it. Well, I'll just compare my list to your list. All right. Now, here's one I want to know about. Um, yeah. Okay, we're skipping over a couple. Do you want? To, unless you want to talk about um, no, no, go for it. Well, all right. Well, you've got 7-zip on here. 7-zip, which yeah. is a file compressor, kind of like WinZip, zipped files, compress them down, save space, sort of thing. You've you've got 7-zip on there, which is okay. Um, it's no nothing wrong with it. But I always use WinRAR. Granted, I prefer 7-zip
1: because it's completely freeware as opposed to shareware. Yeah, and it handles everything WinRAR does and more. I thought WinRAR handled everything. No. WinRAR I've I've never seen WinRAR, I, you know, I haven't used it in a year and a half cuz I've been using 7zip, but WinRAR couldn't at one point open 7zip files.
0: No, uh, yeah, complete support for uh I've got 7z on there.
1: Okay. For 7 z Yeah,
0: and well, 7 archives. Or sorry, uh, .z archives.
1: It's also faster, but 7zip. I've I've run a side by side test, and 7zip opened 7zip unzipped the files faster than WinRAR did. Okay. So. But 7zip's more. Um, to me, it was always harder to use than WinRAR. It's it's built into the well, it's not built in the shell. It's got shell integration, so I just right click and there's a little 7zip menu. Well, that's
0: the same with WinRAR. WinRAR, right. So it's,
1: it's no harder or easier.
0: Well, I always... I know with WinRAR, if there's only certain things I wanted out of the zip file, mm-hmm. I could go get those and just take those out and not have to worry about unzipping everything.
1: You can do that with 7-Zip. There's, there's a GUI. Really? I never actually yeah. got a GUI with mine. Maybe I got... There's a, a GUI? A GUI-less version. There, there's a GUI of 7-Zip.
0: Hmm. I did not notice. Granted, because I I didn't use 7-Zip for that long before I reformatted, and then I just grabbed WinRAR because...
1: Right. I did the same thing, and then I went back and started using 7-Zip more, and now I prefer it to WinRAR.
0: Okay, that makes sense. It's also a smaller program.
1: Yeah, WinRAR is a little
0: large, and every once in a while the... um, Nag screen? Yeah, nag screen gets a
1: little annoying, but I'm trying to think what to call that. It's called a nag screen. Because it's nagging you. It's like, hey, hey, register. Buy me. Buy me.
0: Like M-I-R-C? Yep. Buy me. Buy me. You know you want to. Please. You
1: use me every day. Buy me. Buy me. If you want me to buy you, don't give me the entire program for free.
0: (laughs) I have patience to wait the ten seconds. Yep. You cannot control me. All right, so yeah, if you want there's there's lots of options out there for certain things. Like we've pointed out there's JKDFrag, there's 7zip, there's WinRAR, there's Ultimate defrag. There's
1: Also, we we should point out the built-in defrag for Windows. Yeah, if you really want
0: to. So if you don't want to actually there. get anything out, if yeah. you want to go out to the rest of the world, if your computer is locked off away from the internet, there is a you defrag can still there. defrag. You can scan disk if you really want to. Right. I haven't actually really found a free alternative to scan disk. I don't know if there is. Well, I'm sure there is. Well, I, I, with my laptop, I just used the... Um, scan disk
1: is pretty comprehensive, though.
0: Yeah. I just found the... Um, well, scan disk was having problems with my laptop hard drive when I had those two boot sectors mess up on it. Mm-hmm. So um, I couldn't get Windows to boot, therefore I couldn't use scan disk to find it. Right. So um, I actually you downloaded to, the... Most hard drive manufacturers will give you software that you can use to run tests on, on, your, their hard drives. on their hard drives
1: in order to find problems. And you can find out who made your hard drive, if you don't know, by using a program such as SIW or Bellark. Exactly.
0: Now, um, okay, so we've got the things up there that are defragging Our computer is slowing down. Another thing we can always check with the slowing down of the computer, is a program that I love. Um, I've used it a lot. Uh, Spacemonger is its name. Mm-hmm. What this literally does, like um, with Ultimate uh, Defrag, we will actually show you basically, instead of showing you where it is on the disk, it will show you... This, how much of the disk. How much of the disk is being used by the it, program or folder or something like that. If I may. Yes.
1: It takes your file tree... Your, your entire folder and file structure, and it displays it graphically with scale relative to how big the files are.
0: So if a file was taking up half your hard drive... It, would it takes change. up half the picture. Yeah. This is really good if your computer's slow and you don't know why, if you're, if you're out of room on your hard disk and you don't know why, and you're like, oh, I forgot that I ripped the entire Beatles collection in pure wave format. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That'll fill up your machine.
0: That that will if you're. <laughs> oh, look, forty CDs of raw wave data. <laughs> Should probably get rid of some of that. Mm-hmm. So this it will be, and you'll be like, oh, what's that folder that's extremely huge? Oh, look, that's install files that I don't need anymore. Why are they still on my computer? Yeah. I don't know, but Just I can get, get rid, rid of them. them. Yeah. And uh, there's another one that was also out there that basically when somebody told me about Space Monger, they told me about this one as well, Uh, Winderstat.
1: Which does basically the same thing. Yeah,
0: um, it it can display things differently than Space Monger. Like the old version of Space Monger just shows you the folders and stuff. The newer version of Space Monger, which um, also has a NAG
1: screen, Yep. Um, no longer free. Nope. The link we've included on the side is the older version. Yes. The the completely free version.
0: But the newer version can actually tell you, oh, this is a video file. This is an audio file. This is – we don't know what this is. This is a system file sort of thing, which is pretty decent because sometimes you'll just look at a folder and be like, why is that extremely large? And you'll basically have to go there and go, what is this? And, oh, this is a video Okay, this is an audio file. Oh, okay, now now I understand.
1: And Winderstat does that. It tells you what file it is, what file type. In fact, it color codes it. Yeah, so it's really
0: easy to tell, oh, okay, that's an image. This, okay, makes sense. So that's, that's another one to do. I've always been a fan of Space Monger, I don't know why. I think it's just the name Monger. (laughs) <laughs> I'm ruling over my computer. Mwah. Yeah,
1: Spacemonger is a little nicer because it, it displays what file is on the graphics, whereas in Windows Stat, it's just a big colored blob. You yeah. need to click on it to find out what the file actually is.
0: Like, it will tell you... You could read names on things, so I could go, oh, it's Bones. Oh, This is that, this is that. This is that giant TiVo file. <laughs>
1: Which
0: is it's extremely large compared to what it needs to be. But... That's TiVo for you. Mm -hmm. Now this last one on here, this one actually I am now interested in because um, I've always had the problem with Firefox. Hold on, let me check my current task manager.
1: Shift, control, escape, if you're on Vista. I don't know if it does it for XP.
0: I just do control, alt, delete. That works too. Uh, My Firefox is currently using up 110,000 K of kilobytes. Memory. Yep. Which is extremely large for Firefox, especially for just having mm-hmm. um, two windows open.
1: Mine's actually at uh,
0: 124,000. So I know if I can close Firefox, I'm not going to have to worry about Firefox using up that much uh, memory and RAM and such. So, Dave, this last one on the list can actually... Uh, I don't know if it, it, it can...
1: The last one on the list is Anver Task Manager. All right. You, and, you put it on there, so go ahead. Yeah. It replaces the Windows ta- – it doesn't replace. It, it serves as the Windows Task Manager, so I can run them side-by-side. Side. One doesn't replace the other, but one's trying to replace the other. Okay. And it's basically Windows Task Manager on steroids. Uh, I can go to, just as the task manager, I can look at the applications that are running or the processes. I can also look at the services that are running, and I can look at the files that are on startup, so that when my this is when my computer turns on, these are the files that get run automatically. You know, things like the, the Skype client is an auto start, or Steam automatically starts. And so I can control those from there. Beyond that, I can limit the bandwidth and the CPU load that these things take. Okay. Uh I don't think I can limit the memory. Oh. But I can limit the CPU load. Well, there goes my Firefox fix. Yeah, uh,
0: sorry Andy. Oh, <sighs> So one problem with Firefox is just after a while But
1: I... it's it's a very very powerful little program. I'm in love with it and I'm still getting to know it. Well, that should be
0: an interesting thing. To check out now with mine. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's a very powerful little program. It's got a free version and a pro version, and I I of course chose the free version.
0: All right. Um. One thing we didn't hit it on It does. The list.
1: Yeah. Well, before, if I may, okay. it does have one other thing. Oh. Well, uh, where on. you can take a program, and you can submit the program to various online virus check sites. Oh, really. Yeah, I think that was in this program somewhere. I have to find it again. So it also watches for specific act uh specific, oy, not specific, suspicious activity. Okay, well that should be good because I,
0: um, I forgot who I was looking at. I was looking at somebody's computer, it might have been my own, where there was a process running just called system. <laughs> and I'm like, um what is this system? and you know you google what's the system process everybody thinks oh they're talking about the system idle process no cuz system idle is right above it right what is this system i'm like this is probably not good i have no way yeah. i had no way of checking at the time but if this i could easily have found out oh maybe this is bad
1: who knows yeah, so here it is. On the processes, you right click and then way at the bottom of the list is check with antiviruses on VirusTotal, which is a website where you upload a file, and it says yeah this has a virus here or no this is clean. Well, that should be good. I can. Could... So it's, it's it's pretty cool.
0: I'll definitely check that out. All right, now
1: I'm doing it right now. I'm I uploaded EditPlus.exe, and it's giving me a whole lot of information. <laughs> Well, what is Edit Plus? Edit Plus is a text editing program. Oh, okay. So it, it it's my replacement for Notepad. It has things like automatic backup. Oh man!
0: All right. So I'm looking at this Zero Assumption Recovery
1: mm-hmm. place. Zero Assumption Recovery. There's it. It's one version is both free and for pay. In that part of the program is free. All right. You don't need to buy it, and that's. Recovering image files, and that's how I found the program. Is I I had to recover some image files that someone had deleted off of a flash drive, and it worked great. It got every single fo- every single photo.
0: Oh, you should have told me that. I was having problems with my flash drive at Pax. That's why I lost the uh, photo contest. Oh man, I'm sorry. I thought I had it in the bag because I had over like 600, almost 700 of the thousand uh, points. I'm Ouch. thinking like, oh yeah, nobody, nobody can beat me. Some guy had what nine, 9- 920 something like that. Damn. Which it basically came down to, to six photos. <laughs> but if I would have had that, then I could have. But oh well. Yeah. It was it was fun when all it lasted. But this would have been great because then I would have been able to get
1: all the stuff off the. Yep. It's it's really good. It's relatively fast. I mean, it, it took a while to go through a very large drive, but smaller drives, it just kind of rips through them. Yeah. And the for-pay part of the program is recovering everything else. And I had had such luck with it with recovering the photos that when one of my externals crapped out, I quick-formatted it, which means it, it goes through and it deletes everything on the drive without rewriting over it. And then I sent this on it, and it recovered about seventy percent of the stuff.
0: All right, are you ta- which uh, external drive are you talking about? Like the uh, the Seagate one or another one?
1: No, it was uh, one of my one hundred and fifty. Oh, okay. It was a C. It was uh, a LaCie one hundred and fifty gig. All right.
0: Now, how does this compare to uh, what's that other one? That Gibson guy. No idea. Spinrite. Spinrite. Yeah.
1: Well, Spinrite fixes hard drive errors. Okay. Right? Well, if I remember
0: correctly, it can do that, and then also if you're having problems with your drive, it will try and recover data as much as possible.
1: Right. This is just pure data recovery, but it does it off of flash drives, hard drives, whatever. If it stores data and your computer can read it, zero assumption recovery will pull files off of it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, this uh, spin writes just for uh, hard disks.
1: Right. This works for flash drives. This was... Yeah, a major part of the program is, is pulling photos off of it. Oh, okay. So it's it's a very nice program. It's the other piece of software that I paid for. Well, that would be... If I have any problems, I will definitely go to you then. Okay.
0: <laughs> All right, so we're nearing the end of the podcast, and I think we've run out of things on the list. I can't need, remember yeah, anymore.
1: We need to hit the random topic. Yep. Well, hold
0: on, now I have to go open up Firefox again.
1: Random topic was, we rolled, and it was number three. Yes. Which is, is technology good for humanity? Oh. that's, Whew, that's a loaded question. What do you mean it's a loaded question? Because uh, there's no good answer to that.
0: Well, I don't know. The it's, is technology no, good for humanity? What do you...
1: Where would we be without, I mean, well, first off, you, you do have to define what's technology. Well, what is, is a light bulb technology Any electricity is is electricity technology. Our simple machines technology is the wheel technology. Well, hold on. Let's
0: look for the definition for technology.
1: According to the dictionary, the This is why people hate getting into arguments with me, because I, I I ask for the definitions. I need to know what are we defining as technology? What are we defining as good hold for on. humanity? I'm trying to give you the
0: definition, but you interrupted me.
1: Oh, well, go ahead.
0: The application of science, especially to the industrial or commercial objectives, the scientific method and material used to achieve a commercial or industrial objective, electronic or digital products and systems considered as a group, a store specializing in office technology, or the body of knowledge available to a society that is of use in fashioning implements, practicing manual arts and skills, and extracting or collecting materials. So the application of science. I like that last one. The body of knowledge? Yeah. What's wrong with the first one? It's the, uh, technology is any form of science that we use towards an objective of some kind.
1: Okay. Electricity well, we can, is... We can work
0: with that. Electricity is a technology. VCR is a technology.
1: The, the car, wheel is a technology. Yeah,
0: the wheel is a technology. The car is a technology.
1: Okay. So my other question is, what is good for humanity? Well, I don't know. What do you think is good for humanity? I don't know. We're we're kind of self-destructive right now, and yes, technology is responsible for a lot of that. Without the development of technology, I'm not sure we'd survive anyways. We probably would have been
0: wiped out long ago. If
1: Some other species would have evolved well past us if we hadn't learned how to use tools.
0: Penicillin and things of that nature. That's use of technology to save humanity. Right. Lots of people. So, with electricity out in the, what, um, what was the, merry-go-rounds that can pump water out in the uh, African desert. That's the use of technology <laughs> for the betterment of humanity.
1: Right. Uh, you know, at the same time, there are, you know, weapons and guns that are technology that are, are a little less beneficial for humanity.
0: Well, okay, I would even take... Certainly it,
1: certain parts of humanity.
0: Yes, you have the destructive technology as well, but I'm also thinking... Once again, I'm sorry I have to bring this up, but the TV transition. (laughs) And the people and the questions and... The poor
1: 78-year-old grandmas. and Yeah, the people who are going to not know what's going on. (laughs) Won't someone please think of the grandmas? Somebody actually
0: should have thought of the grandmas, but who knows what they were doing.
1: Certainly not the FCC.
0: Yeah, it's things of that nature. It's... Are we actually – is having a car that you have no idea how anything is working, and they don't want you to know anything how anything's working by putting, like, plastic so covers
1: over the – There's technology, component. and there's black box technology. Yeah. So what
0: – is it good for humanity to just have machines that work and nobody really knows how they work except for well, –
1: someone like, better know how they yeah, work.
0: Yeah, like,
1: Otherwise, that's... we're gonna we're gonna start forgetting how to to run the nuclear power plants, and then they're gonna start going boom. Yeah, that would be a problem. Or they'll start breaking, and we won't have anything to replace them. Yeah, and but... that's uh, Asimov actually wrote about that. That was kind of the premise for his Foundation series. That people had forgotten how technology worked. Yeah, that like at some point there became this intellectual elite that just took care of running things. And then they just started getting lazy and they didn't care about how it worked, it just worked. And that when things started breaking down, oh shit, there's no one to fix it.
0: There are no more mechanics right. in the universe, that'd be great. That would be great. I don't know, I forgot what, what, so, what were we supposed to be, the actual question so I can give you... Whether
1: a- technology was good or bad for humanity? <sighs>
0: Technology in the right hands with the right frame of mind would be good for humanity. Technology in the wrong hands...
1: With the right frame of mind. ...can
0: still be bad. You have to... Yeah. But technology in the right hands with the wrong frame of mind can also be bad. Can also be bad. Yeah.
1: And technology in the wrong hands with the wrong frame of mind, well, you're just screwed.
0: Yeah. People who don't know what's going on, trying with their own agendas. We've seen this happen before. Mm Mm-hmm. What a crazy, crazy world it's been.
1: Are we set? I think we're good. All right. Well, we hope you guys have enjoyed listening to our, our rundown of PC software. There should be a ton of links on the site, www.rapodcast.net. And go forth and be well informed. And don't forget about that contest for Andy.